0: Listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. Trinity Church Chester is a new church seeking to reach the city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the heart of our ministry is our Sunday worship service, in which we hear a sermon preached from a particular part of the Bible. We're glad you're listening. We'd love to see you in person at the Welsh Presbyterian Church building on St. John Street in the city centre. We meet there every Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can find more details on our website trinitychester.church. Come and join us as we seek to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our scripture reading is from Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 to 26. Let's hear God's word. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. This is God's word. Well, here at Trinity, our summer sermon series is on the fruit of the Spirit, the famous list of nine virtues, which we find in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. Uh, A virtue, in case you're wondering, uh, such as love, joy, peace, and so on, is not so much something that we do, but something that characterises us, both inwardly and outwardly. Uh, And today we're coming to the fourth virtue, Listed by the Apostle Paul. The fruit of the Spirit, he writes, is patience. I wonder what you think of when you think of patience. Uh, Whatever it is that comes to mind, I suspect that you don't need much persuading this afternoon that you could use more patience. Most of us, I suspect, when we think of patience, think of areas or situations in our lives in which we lack patience. Ways in which we're conscious that we need to be more patient, In fact, just last week when I was talking to someone on the way out after last Sunday's service and I said the next Sunday we'll be looking at patience, uh, her instinctive reply was to say, well that's good because I need more of that. Uh, And my instinctive response to her was to say, so do I. So rather than try and persuade you this afternoon that you need more patience, I'm going to assume that you're more than likely already aware that you do. And instead... What I want is for us to be persuaded today that patience is something which is desirable and something which is possible, something which is attainable. That is to say, I want us to leave here today not only aware that we lack patience, but I want us to leave here today with a desire to be more patient people and with the belief that we can be. And so with that in mind, here are three headings for us this afternoon. The value of patience. The possibility of patience and the secret of patience. And we're going to spend a little bit more time on the first. Firstly, the value of patience. The value of patience is that it equips us to live in a world that requires waiting, Now, it's worth having at least a basic definition of patience in mind as we begin. Let me give you a couple of definitions from John Webster, who was a professor of theology at the University of Aberdeen, and he wrote several articles and books on virtue. Uh, Here's his first definition of patience. Patience is that excellence of character by which, for the sake of some good end, we tolerate difficulties and encounter obstacles to present happiness with equanimity, collectedness, and steadiness of purpose. I had to look the word equanimity up in a dictionary. It's a word that means calmness and composure in the midst of difficulty. And that's a helpful definition. Perhaps it's not simple enough to keep it in mind, though. So here's a second definition. Patience is long-suffering in the face of the deferral of things we love and long for. Uh, Now, here's what Webster is essentially getting at. Patience is the ability to wait. And perhaps for a long time, perhaps in the midst of great difficulty, to wait for something we love and long for. Patience, we might say, is at its core waiting with composure. The ability to remain composed and calm and steady when we are not yet in possession of whatever it is we want. Patience is composure, calmness, steadiness, whilst we remain in some way unfulfilled. Now, we know that to be true in our experience, don't we? Whenever we find ourselves lacking patience, when we are impatient, we find ourselves lacking composure. We find ourselves unsettled. It's as though we're in a constant state of, fidgeting and there's an unwillingness to wait for whatever it is that we want to be in possession of but are not yet in possession of. We're not yet in the house we want, the relationship we want. We don't yet have the family or the family dynamic we want. We haven't yet reached the career level and the salary that we want. As we're stuck in traffic we're not yet at the destination we want. As we're listening to that awful hold music on the phone, we're not yet through to the agent we want to speak to. And all the while, we lack composure, the calmness, the steadiness that we would have if we were patient. Now, we tend to think that having to wait in situations like those is something that's not only inconvenient, but it's also something that should be overcome. We should be able to overcome it. It's no bad thing, after all, to live in a nice house, to be in a loving relationship, to have a happy and harmonious family. If only those other drivers would be more considerate, the traffic planners more thoughtful, the roadworks more efficient. Waiting, we think, is nothing but an inconvenience. And we're winning at life, we think, when we remove any need to wait for anything, when everything happens according to our plan and according to our timings. But when we think like that, we fail to recognise that waiting always has been and always will be, in fact, a significant part of life in this world. We cannot overcome our need to wait in this life. We see this in several areas. We see it in our experience, first of all. Day to day, week to week. David Bailey-Harnard was a religious studies professor and he wrote a book titled Patience, How We Wait Upon the World. And in it he writes this, for all of us, some of the time, and for some of us all of the time, the experience of waiting remains our daily bread. A recent study claimed that the average person spends 11 or more days each year waiting in line. But this only begins to sketch the proportions of waiting. It is the most familiar aspect of our lives. We wait for the mail, for a telephone call, for a plane or train or taxi, for this appointment or that, for a human voice after an electronic system has delivered its menu of 15 options we do not want, We wait for red lights and congested traffic, for relief of pain, for the restoration of health, for help or attention, for hurts to heal and embarrassments to be forgotten. Waiting is not accidental, something that might have been avoided by more careful planning or greater influence or affluence, he writes. Now... What Harned is arguing at this point is that all of human history demonstrates to us that we cannot overcome our need to wait. Even with all the modern developments in technology and medicine and so on, we are required today, just as every previous generation was required, to wait. It's our experience. We not only see this in our experience, though, we also find a basis for it in the teaching of the Bible. When God created the world, we're told in Genesis 1 and 2, he didn't create a world that had already arrived at its destination, its final destination. We're told repeatedly in those first two chapters in Genesis that everything God made was good. There was no flaw in his design work or his creation. And yet at the same time, God made it clear that there was still work to be done in order that this flawless creation would reach its fulfilment. Creation, even at the very beginning, even before sin had entered the world, it was unfulfilled. And that is to say, even at the very beginning, before sin had entered the world, there was the need to wait. Just think about it. When God created Adam, created him with an unfulfilled desire... Adam was alone, without a human companion. He was made, quite literally, to wait. And he was made to wait when God brought to Adam all of the animals he created to see whether there would be one particular animal that could fulfill this unfulfilled desire for companionship, which Adam felt. Adam, at this point sinless, knew what it was to have to wait. He knew what it was to have to exercise patience. Even when God provided such a companion for Adam when he created Eve, Adam and Eve together then embarked upon a life of waiting. God instructed them to be fruitful and multiply, to have children and to pass on the instruction to their children so that their children would have children. And through this fruitfulness, (coughs) they they were to fill the world with human beings made in the image of God. That was something that required waiting. It didn't happen all at once. And although he could have created the world already populated and fruitful and thriving, although he could have created the world without the need to wait, he didn't. The need to wait, you see, is not necessarily a need which must be overcome. Part of what it means to be a human being is that we have been made to wait for things. Fast forward from the beginning, the need to wait is also at the core of our experience as Christians in this life. To be a Christian is to be someone who is not yet fulfilled. As Christians in this life, we remain incomplete. We're assured inwardly by the Spirit that because of Christ's work and the faith in him which we've been given, we are truly forgiven. We are truly children of God who who are cared for by him. But we're still waiting for him to complete us, as it were. We're still waiting for him to complete the work of restoring us and remaking us fully. And that is why Paul can speak in our passage in Galatians 5 of two sets of desires coexisting, Within us right now, as Christians, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit, we do not yet perfectly desire, we do not yet perfectly want what is right, what is according to God's word. There's a war of desire going on within us, and because it's a war that will continue throughout this life, as Christians, we have the need to wait. We are waiting for God to bring this war to an end. We are waiting be made perfect. We're not yet there. In this life, as Christians, we are unfulfilled and required to wait for God to change us. Just think about all the ways that you want to be a different kind of person, a more virtuous person even, a person of greater love, joy, peace, patience. You've realised, haven't you, that This process of change, even when the change you desire is good, does not operate according to your schedule. Why hasn't God taken away from me the desire to sin in this particular way? Why hasn't God changed this particular part of my character yet? Why hasn't God brought me to understand and accept this particular teaching of the Bible? Because if it was up to us, we'd be way further along in our process of growing as Christians wouldn't we? Than we feel as though we are? In our personal growth as Christians we're required to wait. It's similar in relation to other people. If you haven't yet realised that the process by which you change doesn't operate according to your schedule, you surely must have realised that the process by which other people around you change doesn't operate according to your schedule either. Why does He still do that. Why does he still think like that and live like that? Why hasn't my friend, my family member, come to faith yet? Why haven't the children learned yet? Why haven't the parents learned yet? Why hasn't the church changed in this particular regard yet? You might well have our own unwritten growth plans for other people. But the lives of others don't unfold according to our schedules, even when our desires for others are good desires, desires for their good. We can't escape our need to wait. And just think too about how much waiting is required when it comes to all kinds of suffering in this life. We, We wait for a diagnosis and then for treatment and then to find out whether the treatment has been effective. We wait for our strength and our energy to return after it's been drained. We wait for wars to end, for poverty to be removed, for oppression to stop. We wait for there to be no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain. We wait. We are waiting. The need to wait is inescapable. It is part and parcel of human experience and it's part and parcel of the Christian life. And so the value of patience is that it equips us to live in a world that requires patience, that requires waiting even. It's valuable because it is always in demand. Because we cannot overcome our need to wait, because it is not part of God's design that we overcome our need to wait. We are always in need of patience. The question isn't whether or not you want to be faced with the need to wait. The question is how do you want to wait? Would you rather wait in all the thousands of situations in which you're required to wait with patience, with composure, with calmness, with collectedness, with the ability not to be unsettled and not to be overly troubled when things don't go according to your plan? Or would you rather wait without patience, unable to cope well when your expectations in life aren't met? frequently unsettled and frustrated that life isn't going as you want it to annoyed at having to wait this is the value of patience secondly we need to see the possibility of patience if this is the value of patience that it equips us to live this life of waiting well and so if patience is so desirable how do we get it? How do we grow in it? How do we become more and more patient and less and less impatient in both the day-to-day situations that require waiting and in the broader ways in which we're required to wait? Well, the possibility of patience is rooted in the patience of God. If we're going to be patient people, we need to recognize how patient our God is. We see God's patience on display throughout the Bible. In fact, when he revealed to Moses his name, contained within the very meaning of his name, the Lord, is patience. We we read about it in Exodus 34, and it's repeated throughout the Bible, that that God descended to Moses in a cloud and he proclaimed the name to the Lord. And so in Exodus 34 verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, there's much to reflect upon in the name that the Lord reveals to Moses. A name always reveals something about a person. If nothing else, your, your name reveals your parents' taste in names and your family heritage. But here, as God reveals his name, his name reveals so much more than that. His name reveals who he is. It reveals him. And one aspect of his character, one aspect of who he is, is revealed by the phrase, slow to anger. There's been a lot written ...about the meaning of this phrase... ...slow to anger by biblical scholars throughout history... ...and part of the reason that a lot has been written about it is that the phrase as we find it in the original text... ...in the Hebrew language... ...it could be translated quite differently in English... ...it could be translated as... ...long in the nose... ...and when you first hear... ...that, you think that can't be right... ...there must be something lost in translation here... ...but actually when you think about it... ...there is something to the metaphor... Of God being long in the nose. Bear with me. We have a children's book at home. And it's about an alligator that gets angry. I can't remember what it's called. Maybe the angry alligator. That would be apt. Um, and it's written to, to try and help children understand the process of their emotions. And when it describes the feeling that the alligator experiences as he gets angry. It refers to him feeling his face get Hot. His frustration has been building and building and then all of a sudden there's a rush of heat through his body and almost like it's out through his face. And it's a little bit like that, isn't it? When, when we feel anger. Now this Hebrew phrase, which we could translate long in the nose, it's essentially communicating to us that it takes a long, long time For that heat to reach the tip of God's face, metaphorically speaking. He is slow to anger. There is a slowness to God. It's called his patience. He is always composed, calm, collected. He is unhurried and nothing unsettles him. And his patience for us is good news. When Adam and Eve sinned against him, which, by the way, was an act of impatience on their part, that is to say, instead of patiently waiting to experience a fulfilled life that God had laid before them, they impatiently sought to find fulfillment a different way. When Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't press the reset button in a fit of anger and start again with a different creation. But he was willing to patiently wait to bring his creation to the fulfilled life he intended through his plan of redemption. He was patient as he made preparations for his chosen Redeemer, his eternal Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come, all through the time of the Old Testament. He was patient with his people as they misunderstood as they refused to believe that he would one day send the redeemer and redeem them. He was patient as his people blatantly sinned against him and thought they could find the fulfilled life that they longed for through worshipping other gods. In the face of such sinfulness, God proved himself to be slow to anger, long in the nose, as it were. And he's patient in these ways Today as we continue to misunderstand, as we refuse to believe his promises, as we sin both subtly and blatantly against him, he's slow to anger with us. Just think about all the ways in which God is offended by our sins. And the sins that are committed against him all around the world, even today, even since that last sentence... How many sins have been committed against God? Yet he's patient. And we see his patience in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, when he came, was willing to wait. He was always unhurried. He was always composed. There was never in him one single feeling or expression of impatience. Which is all the more remarkable when you think about what it is he came to do. From a young age, he was aware that he was the one Isaiah wrote about in Isaiah 53, the passage we read earlier in the service. He was aware that he was the one who had come to bear our sins and to carry them with him to his death. And so to bear in his death the just settled wrath of God towards the sin of his people. He was aware that the God who is slow to anger is not a God who turns a blind eye to the cause of his anger. And so he was aware that the God who is rightly angry towards sin would one day pour out his anger on him. And yet all the while, knowing this was his destination, he was willing to patiently wait for it. And in patiently waiting for it, he was willing to endure the agony of its anticipation as it loomed like a dark cloud on the horizon for him the possibility of patience is found in the fact that the God of patience was willing to patiently endure such suffering for you and through his suffering to bring you back into the fellowship with him that you were made for And all who are restored to that fellowship receive in it all the resources needed in order to patiently endure whatever we might be called to patiently endure in this life. And in enduring patiently, whatever suffering comes our way, we are following in the example of the one who patiently endured suffering on a level far beyond what we experience in this life. How is it possible to be patient in this life of waiting? It's possible when you know the patience of God. If that's the value of patience, and if that's what makes patience possible, what can we say on a practical level? How can we practically grow in patience here and now? Well, thirdly, finally, really briefly, here's the secret of patience. The secret of patience is found in knowing that there is something worth waiting for. That's true in all of life, isn't it? We patiently endure our rumbling stomachs because we can smell the dinner cooking. We know it's coming. We patiently endure the aspects of our work that we find tedious because we know the paycheck is coming. So on. The secret of patience for us Christians is finding, recognising that there is something coming worth waiting for. We will not always remain in an unfulfilled state with desires that have not been met, incomplete and imperfect. And the language that Paul uses in his letters, this is our great hope. This is the future that lies ahead of us. It's a future that we can be certain of because it's a future that Christ has earned for us. And it's a future that will become reality when Christ returns and recreates this world as a world of perfection and fulfilment. That's why James writes in James 5, verses 7 and 8, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it, Until it receives the early and the late rains, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The secret of patience is found in looking ahead to that destination and in allowing it to influence how we perceive all that we have to endure here and now. Brothers and sisters, One day you will know the fulfilment that you long for. Why are, you, why are we so concerned that our lives here and now need to play out as we want them to? Don't you realise that the one who is so perfectly arranged, every circumstance in history mean that we have this destination to look forward to, doesn't it occur to us that he might know better how to arrange the circumstances of our lives so that we will one day arrive at this destination? Let's make our plans for ourselves, for those who we're responsible for, let's strive to make sure they are plans with God's glory at the centre, but let's not become so blinkered that we think that life must unfold according to our plans our lives as john newton once said our lives are held in the hands that bled for us is there really any doubt that our lives our our disrupted plans along with all of the unwelcome circumstances we face is there any doubt that our, hands, our lives aren't in the best of hands? To the extent that we take that to heart, we'll find ourselves growing in patience. We can be composed, calm, collected, even in the midst of difficulty. We can be patient because in Christ we are the children of the patient God. And when he makes his weight, he does so only with good reason. We can be sure of that, even when the reason remains hidden to us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you this afternoon that you are indeed slow to anger. We praise you for your great patience with us willing to wait that we would come to repentance and faith and so be given this great hope that is ours in Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us to live as we wait for this great hope to be realised with great patience, calmness and composure that speaks of a deep trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to you. If you'd like to know more about the Christian faith and what it means to live as a Christian, please do get in touch. You can email hello at Trinitychester.church or head to the Connect page on our website, Trinitychester.church forward slash Connect. We'd love to hear from you soon.